anything outrageous, is it? Investing in sovereign bonds, high-rated sovereign bonds. Yeah, look, Peter. It's it's again. I think it's a very good question that um, that that needs to be highlighted. Um, you know, if you look at it, MPF as as a as an industry now has been around for two decades. Investment markets and instruments have evolved during that time. So, so again, you know, I I, I think the the regulator is playing a little catch up. But, you know, you can't change what's happened in the past. You can only look forward. And the fact that they are now exploring these opportunities, again, it, it, you're right. It, it, um, it, it's, it's pragmatic. It makes sense. Ultimately, it is better for the members. Um, and um, hopefully these evolutions will, will continue to, to accelerate going forward rather than necessarily sort of reflect on why it hasn't happened in the past. Okay, Francis, thank you very much. Always good to talk to you. That's Francis Chung, who's Executive Chairman of MPF Ratings. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this Thursday morning in Australia. Uh, The ASX 200 is down a third of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is off 0.6%. Looks like Hong Kong stocks are going to slide about a quarter of a percent at the open as well. In the commodities markets, gold is at $1,782 an ounce. Brent crude oil up slightly, $85.97 a barrel. Thanks very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned for Back Chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Nixie Lamb. The weather forecast for today, sunny intervals and a few showers, maximum temperature around 28 degrees. It is going to be cooler with a few rain patches in the next couple of days and temperatures are going to drop below 20 degrees in the morning. Right now it's 27 degrees, 83% relative humidity. It's 8.32, here's Barry O'Rourke with the news. Home prices on the mainland fell for the first time in six years, showing the extent of the contagion from the Evergrande crisis. Yesterday, the National Bureau of Statistics reported that new home prices in 70 cities dropped 0.08% in September from August. Among China's 70 major cities, just 27 saw prices rise, compared to 46 in August. Speaking on RTHK's Money Talk programme, Jack So, Chief Investment Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse, was asked how serious these relatively small price movements were. Well, to top your numbers, the, the excavator sales, which is something that people tend to follow just as a, as a hands-on bit of economics, they've actually fallen by about 38% year-on-year in September, and the developer sales have fallen by 36%. So I'm afraid, sir, that puts your 0.8 a little bit in the shade in terms of severity of the, down, of the downturn. A grassroots representative has welcomed a new law to cap rent increases at subdivided flats by 10%. It was approved by lawmakers yesterday and takes effect from January. But Zilai Shan, a community organiser at the Society for Community Organisation, says rents at subdivided flats are already too high and the government should also have set a limit on the initial rental charge. It's a pity that the government refused to include the setting of the rent level in the bill. So we request the government to include the setting of the rent level in the bill in the coming two years. Because as it is the government, they have the rating acceleration for each flat. So they can base it on this figure to regulate the initial rents. An infectious diseases expert says authorities should trace the source of a bacterial infection that's killed seven people over the past two months. 
Dr Joseph Sang says invasive group B streptococcus is an ordinary and common pathogen found on the skin surface. But Hong Kong recorded 79 cases over the past two months, compared to between 9 and 26 cases a month over the past three years. Dr Tsang says authorities need to explain the sudden spike in cases. This is quite a clustering of outbreak cases that warrants further investigation. In order to trace the origins of the outbreaks, are there any places or any transportation, whether there's any contaminations in the wholesale market of the fish tanks, all these kind of things. We have to look into those areas, whether there's any common linkage among all these markets, so as to abolish the transmission linkage. The man accused of carrying out the deadliest attack on a U.S. high school has pleaded guilty to the killings. Nicholas Cruz has been charged with 17 counts of murder and 17 counts of attempted murder. Prosecutors have described the killings in Florida in 2018 as cold, calculated and premeditated, and they're seeking the death penalty. There'll be more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your co-host today is Nixie Lam. Today we're going to talk about the LegCo term and the possible return of the cross-harbor swimming race. The Legislative Council is today continuing its last full session of the current term before it breaks ahead of elections in December, which will return a new-look LegCo. This iteration of LegCo is ending very differently from how it started, with all opposition lawmakers long gone, and the remaining pro-establishment lawmakers hailing the session as the most productive ever. Of the 39 government bills submitted this year, the vast majority have already been passed, and lawmakers are looking to finish their work over the next day or so. And we'll be getting assessments from our panel of guests this morning. After 9.15am, we'll be looking at plans for the first cross-harbour swimming race since 2018 and chat with a coach and a former participant. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. And of course, you can give us a call. Our number is 23388266. That's uh, 23388266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, Morning. We have on the line Fred Lee, a former Democratic Party lawmaker, and Tommy Chung, the chairman of the Liberal Party. We'll also be joined shortly by Regina Ip, the chairwoman of the New People's Party. Good morning, and thank you to both of you for joining us on the program. Good morning, Chairman. Good morning. Um, maybe we can start with you, Mr. Chung. Exactly how well did uh, Legco perform this term? Uh, I wouldn't say. This term is, uh, the performance is very good. But uh, if you look at the last year and a quarter, uh, or probably the last year starting from October last year to this year, it is probably the most productive year uh, throughout my 21-year career as a Legislative Council member. And of course, um, this comes after the opposition uh, camp resigned en masse almost a year ago. In your view, how much did their absence uh, contribute to LegCo's increased uh, productivity this term? Well, it uh, definitely increased a lot. Um, The the problem was, if you look back in uh, 2016, 
the four years while they were there, uh, just look at uh, other than noises that they make, other than continue to keep calling uh, quorum uh, when it is not necessary. And uh, but but then they didn't show up. They stand outside and uh, trying to make sure that you just don't have a meeting, uh, that you can go on with it. Um, they keep filibustering. Um, all this that you see that they do, uh, obviously, is not just uh, not being, not helping efficiency. It's basically uh, a stumbling, a huge stumbling block. All right, let's uh, bring in Fred Lee now, former Democratic Party lawmaker. So, so what's your observation? And do you agree to uh, a certain degree that the absence of the opposition in LegCo has helped improve the council's efficiency? Terry Lamb, our chief executive, put it quite uh, bluntly and rightly that um, you know it's so efficient, and now it's so quiet, and uh, so she called all the you know noises. You know, uh, it's already gone, and now it's everything back to normal, and uh, so she can really put forward her uh, plan and policy and legislation, things like that. And as a matter of fact, it is true. It's uh, more efficient. If you look at the time, you know the legislative council, uh, that the legislative legislate, uh, the legislative councillor, you know, uh, need to debate on the bill, you know, and uh, and, and the policy, and uh, and so efficient. And um, but this efficient paid a lot of price because. Um, those pro-establishment legislators, when I watch in the TV, in the radio, you know, uh, television, and uh, Hong Kong radio, Hong Kong television, Hong Kong, and I watch their debate, and I would say it's really lack of uh, creativity, no, not much meaning, and already they they make a strong facial expression how they felt about, say, housing issues how the lack of housing caused a lot of uh, pain to the public. But still, you know, I, I, I don't feel, I don't feel the way they push, really they need to push or, you know, to point out what's the problem and, and what, what, what is the problem. Like that, maybe you give an example. What Terry Lamb just said recently about the uh, housing authority, she make a comment in public, you know, that um, uh, housing authority should maybe to pay the cash subsidy to those uh, people waiting the long queue of the uh, public housing waiting list. Um, what, what, what you said is really, is really meaningless. You know, the money from, from housing authorities is actually all public money. You know, it's public expenditure. And it's, it's just meaningless. For, it's, no, it's nothing to solve the housing problem. But once she said, and then nobody in legislative council really criticize or really comment, the media, I don't think media cannot find anybody in the opposition to really you know, criticize those comments. And after that, she can carry them even blame the media 
know, to uh, badmouth her comment, you know, twisted her motivation. I think that's because no, no opposition, because no check and balance now. She can do, she can do whatever she likes. All right, so all right, see. all right. Let's uh, let's bring in Regina Ip, the chairwoman of uh, New People's Party. She's now on the line with us. Uh, welcome to Back Chat, and thank you for joining us this morning. So, so, Mrs. Ip, um, right now. Uh, Fred Lee, he, he agrees that uh, LegCo seems to be more productive uh, this, uh, this term, but he says he seems to be suggesting that the discussions uh, in LegCo are not as good as it used to be. What, what's your um, view? I don't agree at all. In fact, Mr. Lee left for some years, and then in the last few years, there was very little really constructive discussions in LegCo. I'm sure you still remember the scenes of some members throwing rotted plants at others, you know, throwing glasses, you know, lunging towards the chairman's desk. It became very chaotic. There was very little constructive discussion in the in the last few years before the departure of the pandemic. And but we continue to have debate uh, debates. We had five-hour debates uh, on the uh, uh, the bill on the to regulate subdivided units yesterday, and at the housing panel, my colleagues raised uh, very made very pungent points. How long would it take uh, to go back to a three-year waiting list? You know, in the next five years, what can the government do? What is the surest source of land supply, housing supply in the last five years, in the next five years, and Chen Fan told me, in the next five years, is really only the 20,000 transitional housing units. You know, the government claims that it can produce 330,000 public housing units in the next 10 years, but most of that will occur in the latter part of the next 10 years. So we continue to raise relevant questions, but in a polite way, not in an insulting way. Mr. Mr. Chung, do you agree? I agree with Regina on uh, what she says, but I, I want to respond to Fred. Uh, when you ask a simple question about whether we're being efficient, he mumbles about Kerry's uh, off-the-cuff joke and saying uh, we're not uh, efficient, we're not the, uh, we don't uh, uh, come out and criticize Kerry and all that. That has nothing to do with the efficiency of LegCo. Uh, I remember I keep hearing people calling Lam Sui Lun, you know, Lam Gong Gong. I don't see that as being efficient and being the right criticism about government officials. I mean, if they do something wrong, if you if they do something you don't uh, you don't think it is right, you, you point it out. Here, what I said about government officials yesterday during the subdivision uh, bill, okay, then you tell me, okay, Fred, you tell me if I was criticizing or if I was kowtow to carry lamb, all right? And then you see if we are efficient or not. Um, take a look. Don't just close your eyes. You say you, 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 you see it in TV, you hear it in radio. Uh, there was, you know, the debate wasn't um, like it was. So what? What does it mean? Uh, like the day you were there, uh, the days you were there, uh, does it make the, the uh, let's go more efficient? 
the syndicate more colorful? You and I are not colorful people. Uh, we don't speak to attract attention. Mr. Lee? Hello, Mr. Lee? Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Did you have a response to Mr. Chang? Um, I, I, I heard what uh, Regina said. Uh, yeah, I'm not in the electrical for long years, but I'm watching. Or I usually am quite frequent because on behalf of my customers, I have to listen sometimes to the debate, and so I never, I never miss, you know, uh, at all. Uh, so I, I, I watch TV and watch my newspaper, read new newspaper. As I said, the, new, the example, you know, Regina is an exco member. How can a chief executive make a, such a hasty, you know, and, and comment on housing authority and say, no, I just make a, you know, something in the air talking about not, uh, not really with substance, and you don't have to take it so seriously. Um, as, as a chief executive, you can't say anything, say, it's my own personal view, or I just say, you know, not a serious consideration, out of serious consideration. Uh, I, I just can't understand, you know. If LegCo, if LegCo, I think legislators should really come up and say, you know, such a serious pol public policy as housing issues, everybody care, Regina also care. Why she can just make it so lightly in, in, in the public, you know. And yesterday I watched... Uh, all right, all right. No. Mr. Lee, maybe you can uh, hold your thoughts for a moment because I know um, Mr. Chung and Mrs. Ibb, they'll have to leave uh, very soon okay. for their LegCoA meeting. It's just a, a question for Mr. Chung or, or Mrs. Ibb. Without the opposition in the uh, council right now, do you think LegCoA is still operating in a healthy manner? I, yes. also, I, I Definitely, I think uh, we are operating. If you look at the way we vote, if you look at the way we talked to Gina said behind me. Um, we don't we don't agree on every issue. We don't agree on every bill. We don't agree on every amendment. Um, you will see coming up with the uh, e-cigarette. Uh, she and uh, us Liberal Party are diverse in what we think and in what's the way forward. So I think the fact that without the opposition. Um, there is no meaningful uh, debate or discussion, or this is like Yatitong, uh, you know, there's only one voice in Lashkow. I think this is pure slandering. Yeah, I, I agree with Tommy, you know, I disagree. I work with Tommy, but I disagree with Liberal Party on some issues like uh, Banning only e-cigarettes, but uh, regulating heat not burn cigarettes. We're going to have a heated debate, you know, uh, this afternoon, later today, you know. But we have polite disagreements mm. and civilized discussions. I think uh, that's what we are doing. And even yesterday, even as an exco member, I voted in support of Abraham Shek's uh, amendment to the, the the landlord and tenant consolidated amendment bills, you know. Uh, so we continue to have uh, a diversity of views and healthy debates in electrical. I, I voted against it. Yeah, I voted for it, you know, despite Chen Fan's explanation. 
All right, and just one final question before I let both of you return to uh, Lechko. Looking ahead, do you think things will change in the new Legislative Council after December's polls when the doors are open for at least some opposition lawmakers in the new Lechko after December's elections? There are always changes with new sessions, with new people. Uh, the chemistry will always be different. But I think as long as we have people coming in that is willing to work, for the people of Hong Kong, uh, for the benefit and for the long-term benefit of Hong Kong, I think uh, Hong Kong will be in better shape than we were when we had the Democratic Party uh, working amongst us. Mrs. Ip? I agree. The more Exco membership has been expanded from 60 to 70 and will be to 90. You know, there will be greater diversity. Uh, there'll be some new members, of course. They'll have to learn the ropes, you know. But I'm sure we will. Um, there'll be a learning curve for them. But I think we will be able to work together and continue to uh, voice um, the, the different views of the people. All right, Mr. Cheng and Mrs. Ip, thank you once again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Tommy Cheng, the chairman of the Liberal Party, and Regina Ip, the chair of the New People's Party. Still with us on the line is Fred Lee, former Democratic Party lawmaker. Mr. Lee? Yeah. So what's your expectation of the new LegCo after the December polls? One, I think one answering, when I answer questions, one very fast answer really coming to my mind is the passing through of the Article 23. You know, everybody knows, this make a lot of trouble, you know, years ago. And now the Secretary for Security, <clears throat> and now the CE, and now the electrical members, they all say that uh, when they coming back in next January, the new LegCo for another four years term, and maybe even the first half of next year, will pass through this uh, Article 23. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I have no doubt about the, you know, the efficiency. I, I, I'm sure they will pass through Article 23 within several months. And that's the, I would, that, that answer you know, will tell you about the new LegCo because the composition, 90 members, and although a lot of new members you see, 40 members from the election committee, and um, they don't have to go through, you know, actually the people challenge, people test, and nobody knows where they're from. Maybe they're from the two parties, the uh, FTU or the DAB, but still, but still a lot of new faces, I'm sure. And, and they are all, they are all single pro-establishment and patriot legislators. But can you elaborate on what's wrong with the two, Article 23? It sounds like you're, you're totally disagreeing with, with the article. I'm not disagreeing with the article. I'm dis disagreeing with the way they handle the things, you know. Last time I'm still in... Uh, so you're saying, you're saying like by smearing people, by like, like calling names is a better quality than actual discussion? No, matter of, you know, how they go out and let the people, you know, reflect the people's opinions. Although like by elected. calling name is a better level, you mean? I mean, I mean, it's, it's quite a shallow level kind of debate, isn't it? Like having little 3D, uh, like, like portrait of, 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 of props 
in the Lachco and calling names and yelling and like running so around, do you I think also, it's better quality than that? I have to tell you, I also myself, I myself, I don't like those gestures, no, those uh, show or unreasonable filibustering. I, lo- I find a lot of unreasonable filibustering every time they try to filibustering. I, I myself do not agree. I don't agree. Mm. Even, even, though, even though I'm from a pandemic, I have my own you know, voices. I have, my, I have my own uh, judgment. But I'm, talk, I'm not talking about you know, those things. I'm, you know, now you won't see those things at all. Even the quorum bell, you stand up and say, President, can I, we don't have a quorum. Now you cannot do that, okay? So the Lashko is really, really now is quite peaceful. But so isn't it, it like we, ha- we allow more time to go down into genuine discussion or, or like, like, like a better level down into what really matters in, in some of the discussions? Don't you think? Don't you think that will be a better chance that we at least will have more time into that? Yeah. It's, it, but the, the, but the question is, where those legislators come from? Okay. Some of them, I'm sure, I don't know at all, because 90, 90 legislators, and some they are not really, you know, if, if I myself come directly elected from the geographical constituency. I have to fight for the people's support. But they have to fight for their sector's supporters as well. And their sectors is representing by a large number of people in the community as well. You look at those 1,500 so-called election committee members, you know, a lot of those, I know, they are from DAB and FCU. And they are defeated in a district council election. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people, the other those people's, I really don't know where they're from, you know, from, uh, you know, um, different groupings. And so you're you saying that you, you know, know the people that were defeated in the, like, in the Lachco, in the, in the DC election, which is like myself, <laughs> from the AB. And, um, and for the other people you don't know, you think they're, they're not representative in love only because you don't know I, them? I know their association. I know their, you know, representing, you know, groupings. And they are all, they are all actually uh, come up with, by the Chinese liaison office here. Well, they, if you look at some of the organization, the their representative is coming from an organization that is representing a lot of people in the community. If you look at the uh, new church um, um, sector as well, the, the whole new church sector is over half of the Hong Kong population. They are servicing, and they have offices over. They have offices around all the offices in 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 different sectors, different community sectors as well. They have been serving as well, and, and it's not not something new. It's not something new. It's not. It's not something new, isn't it? I'm not talking about. Like you are picking pick. Picking one or two of them to say that, well, because you don't know them, because you don't know them, then then is they are not representative enough. That that, that doesn't sound right. All right, um, Mr. Lee, it seems like you you don't have a a, a very high expectation for the uh, new look LegCo that that, uh, will appear after December's uh, polls. But I guess you you can't uh, really do much about it since your own party is not fielding anyone in the upcoming LegCo race, right? Yeah, I was so disappointed. 
And I remember you said uh, you're not too happy with that decision. Have you decided if you're going to stay in the party yet? I'm thinking about quitting the party of this uh, you know, reason. As a political party, if you don't run, then you're meaningless to stay in the community. And uh, so, um, so this couple of days, I'm thinking about this one, these things. So you haven't made a decision yet? Soon. It's going to be soon. All right. And, uh, and uh, okay, I've got a few emails here about uh, the topic we're discussing. Just hold on one second. This one is from T.C. Jung. He says, uh, one shouldn't confuse efficiency with equality. Having an effective check on power is healthy for any government. One should also have a holistic view on things. As a whole, the sixth term of LegCo is probably the most dysfunctional one since 1997. Uh, what's your, your view of, on that, Mr. Lee? I've been through LegCo since uh, 1991, you know, before the handover and then after the handover. I, w- I will see um, the good debate, okay, the good and meaningful debate between the, the party and the members uh, are gone, are gone at all. Um, once I left, you know, after 2012, and um, and now the now the central government is really hands-on, you know, Hong Kong affairs, and uh, that changed everything. All right, and Mr. Lee, I, I'm afraid we have to take a short break for the news summary very soon. Uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Fred Lee, a former Democratic Party lawmaker. Also, many thanks to pro-establishment lawmakers Regina Ip and Tommy Chung, who joined us earlier. After the news, uh, we'll be speaking to John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor from the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong for his view on the LegCo term. And uh, just a quick look at the weather. Uh, Sunny intervals with a few showers. The top temperature will be around 28 degrees. uh, Winds light to moderate easterlies. And uh, right now it's 27 degrees, relative humidity 78%. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Nixie Lam and me, Janice Wong. Before we return to our discussion on the current LegCo term, I've uh, got another email. This one, it says, uh, it's from Vic. It says, uh, Dear Backchat, please convey my congratulations to the new Legislative Council for doing such a great job. Rules were helpful. If you're not in my team, you're out of the game and no goalkeepers allowed. So all the goals were successful struck at the same goalpost, resulting in a record. Only time will say if they were scoring goals or own goals. Interesting times ahead. Looking forward to the next game. And that email is from Vic. And uh, just a reminder, if you have any questions or comments, we'd uh, love to hear from you. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266. And our Facebook page is backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Now, uh, let's uh, return to our discussion on the LegCo term. On the line now, we have John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor from the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning to you. Good morning. Welcome to Backchat. In the first half of the program, we talked about how productive LegCo has been in this term in the absence of the opposition. What's your assessment? 
Well, I think it's certainly true that uh, more bills were passed, um, but th so that's one way to evaluate Let's Go performance, but I think there are several other criteria. One would be citizen satisfaction. So what is, how satisfied are citizens with Let's Go performance? And it seems to me that now that Let's Go is aligned with the executive, that's what executive-led governance means, we can look at various kinds of uh, citizen satisfaction indicators. Satisfaction with the policy address, for example, 25% said they were satisfied. 50% said they were not. And then legitimacy, that's another criteria. Is this new look LegCo legitimate? Trust in the government is still only 21%. That's very low. In December, in December 19, uh, LegCo will, you know, some LegCo members will be elected. And turnout for pro-establishment candidates will also be a kind of uh, performance indicator. And then let's also remember that um, the role of LegCo is not just to pass bills, it is also to monitor and to hold the executive to account. And I know that monitoring housing, for example, has been one of the things that LegCo has focused on in recent days, but there are still items hanging over such as the role of the government in the 2019 chaos and police behavior then, and efforts to hold uh, the government to account for this, I think, have so far gone nowhere. I would like to see that addressed, too. Right. What do you expect to, um, the next term of large go, like, like the whole, um, like, like environment would change or it's going to be like just just going to say yes to everything or it's going to be like a new level of debate happening i don't uh, no i don't expect it to be yes to everything actually mm -hmm. if you look at the questions that are raised to the secretary for housing and transportation for mm -hmm. example mm -hmm. you can see almost disbelief mm -hmm. expressed by some let's go members about the long delays to produce public housing. Mm. This is monitoring. This mm. is excellent. And I think citizens expect this. And um, so I would expect more of that. But I also expect the same high level of passing of the bills that we have, uh, that, uh, that we saw um, in the last few months. So it will be efficiency should will continue to be high i believe but that's why i lay on the table these other kinds of criteria in addition to efficiency mm -hmm. citizen satisfaction trust in government electoral performance and holding the executive to account it's mm -hmm. all very well asking questions but then Things that need to be further and more deeply investigated, Let's Go should do that too. What about the newly active sectors? What's your expectation for their performance? Um, so, so I think we have to disaggregate these uh, these sectors. So we have we have forty new members mm -hmm. who will be appointed by the election uh, committee, and I think. I expect these people to more or less do as they are told. Mm 
Mm. Then we have the functional uh, constituency members uh, returning. And there is more um, complex interests involved here. But my own speculation is that these interests will be adjudicated out of the public eye, not mm -hmm. in LegCo. And so, I, you know, I think it will be a smoother kind of ride than the government has had in the last uh, many years. So is it more like the direct election side would be more like the opposition side? And as you mentioned, you, you expected 40 uh, person will be like do as they told. So it sounds more like that, the whole new environment? I, I mean, I expect the 40 to be do as they're told. For the 20 directly elected ones, now, you know, Nixie knows this, everybody knows <laughs> this, uh, for the, D the DAB are experts at winning these sorts of elections. They have developed... Uh, you have offices um, everywhere. <laughs> uh, uh, for, you know, yeah. they know how to do this, and they pay attention to issues that are of concern to their constituents. So I expect that they will be raising these kinds of issues in LegCo. So even now, under the way it looks now, there are pointed questions to government, and I think this is very important. I mean, the public citizens depend on LegCo for transparency. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to know um, LegCo asks questions, and the government uh, provides information on these questions. But I personally would like to see more done to hold the government to account, and my fear is that apart from the questions, that will be it. Hmm. All right. I have uh, just uh, another email here, and this one is actually uh, referring to you, uh, Nixie. Um, it says, um, it's from T.C. Jung. It says, uh, I think it's unfair to say that behaviors deemed radical is meaningless. In 2008, Wong Yuk Man throwing bananas at C.E. Donald Jung during the policy address resulted in raising fruit money to $1,000 without asset check. <laughs> You have a better way to do things. Basically, pick and choose. You have to grow up. I mean, how old are you? Stop doing that kind of kiddo behavior in the chamber. Come on. It's set a really bad example, seriously. I remember that case. That is exactly why I choose to go down my political path. I was in the banking industry before, and it, it, was, it was disgusting. Why, why are we doing that in the chamber? We have a lot of people still, like, like older people, they, they come to me like while I'm like, starting my career. They were saying, like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous they're doing that, and that's a really bad example to the children's. All right. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the discussion. Professor Byrne, um, what do you think, uh, I mean, we're talking about uh, the uh, absence of the opposition in the current LegCo term. Do you think this absence in opposition will continue in the uh, new LegCo? Um, I think opposition is going to be redefined. So the traditional absence of the traditional opposition, yes, I believe that will continue. Uh, simply because there doesn't seem to be any place for them. I mean, with so many of their leaders, all the traditional leaders um, either have fled or are in jail or are being tried for various crimes and what have you. So um, that doesn't mean there will be no opposition, um, because let's face it, Hong Kong has huge problems. 
And many of these, you know, we have the rich-poor divide, and the rich, actually the government has, in for, for decades, for maybe 150 years, has been protecting the rich at the expense of the poor. So, I mean, is this thing going to be sorted out? This is, uh, that's definitely um, oppositional. And so as um, voices to counter tycoons and property developers and this kind of thing um, find their feet in the new let's go, and I think there will be these voices, I I would expect this kind of uh, conflict to emerge in LegCo to more direct focus on class conflict. And actually, I think this would be appropriate. This would be good. Not, of course, as Nixie says, throwing bananas. This is, uh, this is um, I agree with her on this. We rarely agree on things. It's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, like, there's a lot of discussion about the representative from the commercial sector, like, like as you mentioned, a lot of the tycoons and stuff. Do you expect them to be like, like, the power of them will be shrink, or, or how do you see? I mean, especially on the 40 seating, isn't it? A lot of people are trying to iron into whether they can slip more people into that sector. <laughs> so this is where we have to be more sophisticated about how we look at this. Mm. The tycoons have many ways yeah. to get to the government, <laughs> not through LegCo. I mean, LegCo is only one of the ways. There are all kinds of ways that they can influence policy. So um, informal ways that have nothing to do with LegCo. LegCo is the kind of formal in public discussion of things. Mm. So just because there are fewer tycoons or there's some limit on tycoon families does not mean that property developers as a group will uh, suddenly become less powerful. Absolutely mm. not. Mm-hmm. We can see, for example, the government adopts this kind of neoliberal approach to housing, commercialization of housing, mm. rather than seeing housing as a, as a public good, mm. rather than focusing on social housing. This is exactly taking the side of the tycoons in this in this um, discussion. So we need to, I would say the government needs a sea change in the way it looks at these things, and we need to have public debates about this. Some of it will be in Let's Go, but some of it will be in the media and in civil society. If we snuff out civil society because we don't like this, then Hong Kong will be much the poorer for that. Hmm. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it there for now. But uh, thanks again, Professor Burns, for joining us this morning. That's uh, John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor from the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. It's now uh, almost uh, 16 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our second and final topic today. And that is the possible return of the cross-harbour swimming race. 
the annual event was suspended two years in a row since 2018. But organizers say the race will likely resume on the 12th of December, with all swimmers required to be fully vaccinated. To discuss this, we're now joined on the line by Ho Yu Pun, a past participant of the Cross Harbor Race, and swimming coach Ho Man Fung, who is the founder of Ho Pom Pom Pool Swimming School. Good morning and welcome to the both of you. Good morning, Good morning. Janice. Good morning, Nessie. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> let's, um, let's start with uh, you, Mr. Ho. Uh, you must be very excited about the news. Yeah. Because this is an unforgettable experience to me, because I'm not a good swimmer, especially. You're not a good swimmer, but then you, you did uh, take part uh, in, in this race before. It's quite a long race, isn't it? Yes. Uh, for me, uh, one, one kilometer distance is uh, a challenging race for the beginners, especially. Mm. Uh, when I try to join as a leisure player, mm. I have to... Uh, take much effort to finish the game. How did you change yourself? Mm, I think uh, it's a, you, you, you should have a great target because I tried to uh, join the uh, triathlon for three uh, different events and swimming is one of the mm-hmm. one of the uh, the challenging part for me because I can't swim and I just learned how to swim uh, in the age of 29 <laughs> which is 10 years ago wow. <laughs> it's not too late <laughs> yes let me, let me do yes right. so, so, so will you consider taking part in, uh, in the race this year if it goes ahead mm, I, I just noticed the, the news of the event uh, when you contact me and I think it, it is um, a question about the timing because uh, all of us have skipped the, the race for two years. Mm. And I think most of the people for the leisure group, they can't have uh, enough time to prepare for to the up. race. Yes, it's mm. a bit risky. And we don't have a lot of details about the race yet, but uh, we, we know that all swimmers who take part will have to be vaccinated. What do you think of uh, that requirement? Do you think that's mm, enough? I'm not concerned about the COVID-19. Mm. <laughs> but I, I think uh, uh, in the previous events, they have a swimming test. Uh, you, when you are uh, the first time you, you join the events for the first time, you have to complete the test. Uh, the test requirement is uh, 45 minutes and you have to uh, swim for 1.5 kilometers. Mm. And that's the, that's the key point. Because for me, I'm not a good swimmer. And if I lack of exercise, lack of practice, and it may not sure to, to finish the race. Because uh, two years, it is the requirement. If you don't uh, join the events or or you can't uh, uh, take another swimming test, uh, you cannot be eligible to join the event All right. in, in, the, in the previous years. Let, let's, so uh, 
let's yeah. let's ask a swimming coach who's also on the line, Mr. Ho Man Fong, who is the yeah, founder hi. of Ho Pa Pa Pool Swimming School. So, so what do you think of uh, his concern? I mean, do do leisure swimmers have enough time to train for this event if it does go ahead? Yeah, I think his concern makes sense, um, but um, I think the most difficult part this time is the weather and the water temperature because it, the race is. Uh, to be hosted in the December, the weather and also the water temperature is very cold, mm-hmm. and the water may reach even 10 or 20 degrees Celsius. So for those swimmers who are beginner or inexperienced, they do a sudden jump into the water, will easily get a cold water shock. So the, and it the, can be deadly if you've got any hidden health issues with your body also. So, so in that case, do you expect that many people would, would join the race, even if it does go ahead? Yeah, I think many people will still join the race, but I'm very concerned about their body due to the uh, cold weather and also the wave and the water current during the December time. And uh, you've been a swimming coach for 17 years. And uh, what do you think, yeah. I mean, if people do want to train for this race, uh, what, I mean, how should they prepare? Yeah, I think for the uh, swimmers who would like to join the race and they are the beginners, I suggest they do some training, some distance training in the pool. For example, uh, for the fun race, it should be one kilometer. And they do some two kilometers long stop swim in their program in the uh, swimming pool. Mm. And besides, uh, for the distance they are going to practice, they also need to try to uh, practice to breathe uh, by lifting up their heads. Because as the water current is so strong, you are easily uh, be pushed off from the main route. And that's why you need to breathe uh, by lifting your head up during the race to make sure you are on the right track. So if you're so concerned about mm. the uh, water temperature during this uh, race, if it does go ahead in December, um, do you think uh, organizers should uh, um, maybe introduce more safety measures? Yeah, I think they should uh, implement more safety uh, safety apps or they can lower the well, they can allow us to put on the wetsuit this time. Because for the previous races, um, the races are actually taking place in mid-October, like Lao. The water is still acceptable, but in December, the water is too cold. I think uh, for staying too long in the cold water may cause some of the swimmers the hypothermia. Mm. They will start to swim slow or they can... They may even can't move mm-hmm. at some at some moment. So, so previously, they can't wear the wetsuit at all. It's not allowed. Yeah, they are not allowed to wear wetsuit. I think, mm. but for the fundraise, I would suggest uh, the organizer allowing them to wear wetsuit this time. Mm-hmm. And why was yeah. it not allowed? I mean, of course, uh, in October, it's, uh, it's a lot warmer, I guess, the water temperature. But is there other reasons why uh, they didn't allow wetsuits before? Because wetsuit uh, brings a huge advantage in the in the swimming speed, because the uh, the material used on the wetsuit is quite uh, you can say very slippery, like a seal. So 
it brings uh, the swimmers win faster and resulting in uh, better results. And Mr. Ho, what do you think about the requirement for participants uh, to be vaccinated in the race? Oh, I mean, Ho Man Feng. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you mean the vaccination? Yes. Because yeah, it, I, think, mm, I think it's pretty okay because, uh, as you can see, more and more sports race uh, were hosted recently. For example, the Standard Charter Marathon this Sunday and for swimming, I see lots of the inter-school competition or the kids' fundraise for the last couple of weeks. I think it's uh, pretty okay to um, resume the cross-harbor swimming race. And uh, Mr. Ho, how do you feel now after listening to uh, what Mr. Ho has been saying about uh, the training that will be necessary? Mm, just like the marathon events, and lots of, lots of players say that they don't have the enough preparation time. But I think... Uh, for the experienced streamers, they have no problem for this. Right. So, 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 will you be taking part now after listening to what Mr. Ho has been saying? <laughs> uh, it depends on what I have done uh, on the coming Sunday because I have joined the marathon too. Uh, mm-hmm. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Mr. Ho, I mean Mr. Ho, um, you've been talking about the uh, water temperature a lot. Um, do you have any idea about the water quality in the harbour? H- has it improved during the uh, COVID pandemic? Uh, I think the, wa- the water quality uh, has been improved uh, since the last two decades because the government do a lot of work to clean the harbour. So the water quality is good to swim. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, what's the what's the normal age um, like um, for the participants? Like, is there like a like a specific age that they would really like to join? Because I know, like, notice like a lot of the older generation is is more like in their, their in their era sort of it, it is it's, it's the thing that they join this like streaming club, and some of them are still running pretty well these days. Are, are they gonna normally they would join this sort of competition, or or they just don't? Um, I think for the swimmers around me or my friends, they are so excited if this event is uh, resumed. Mm. And I think the uh, minimum requirement for their age is 12 mm-hmm. years old. Is that a, like a maximum at all? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. As long as they pass their, uh, the test, the fitness test, and they're capable and to show their health is good enough to participate in the event. Mm-hmm. And, and is there sort of a criteria that people have to meet uh, if they want to join? Yeah, as Mr. Ho said, uh, they, they offer a water test which required them to swim uh, 1,500 meters in 45 minutes. Mm. So for those who can pass, they can join the race. Even for, for young children uh, as young as 12? or. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> as long as you prove that you don't, you know how to swim. <laughs> yeah, that's not too fast. That's acceptable speed. Yeah. Right, right, right. And and do you have any idea about uh, this year's? I mean, uh, swimming route. I mean, or swimming course. Uh, is, it, is will it still be um, from uh, Wan Chai to Chim Sha Tro? Oh, I think it's uh, 
I don't have any news about the route. What about in the past? It was, it was, has it always been from Wan Chai to Chimshacho? No, sometimes uh, they will swim from Chimshacho. Oh, not Chimshacho. Uh, not Chimshacho. They will start from the Leyumun to ah. the Curry Bay. Oh, on that yeah, side. So, so different. And how would you compare the two routes? I mean, is that more difficult or the one from uh, Wan Chai to Chimshacho? Uh, for the Wan Chai to Chimshacho one, the wave and the current is uh, comparatively more stable because they are already in the in the Victoria Harbour. But for mm. the other route, which is uh, near the outer sea, mm. the wave and current will be huge. Mm. So it's more, I can say, more challenging or more dangerous. It sounds quite difficult. I mean, like, it's only like two months away. So if you're yeah. not like well trained or anything like that, it sounds like it's impossible for people to join. Yeah, especially this year they host the game, host the race in, in December. December. That's, that's really my biggest concern. Yeah. All right. Uh, good luck. Yeah, I, I, I hope everything goes smooth. Yes, yeah, so hopefully yeah. everything will go smoothly. And uh, also, uh, good luck to um, Mr. Ho, who's uh, going to take part <laughs> in the marathon yeah. on Sunday. Good luck to you. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it there. But uh, thanks again to uh, both of you for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Ho Yupan, a, a past participant of the Cross Harbour Race, and uh, swimming coach Ho Man Fung, who is the founder of Ho Pa Pa Pool Swimming School. And uh, also many thanks to all of you who commented through email. And of course, a thank you to Nixie, my co-host for today. Now, uh, here's the weather. Sunny intervals with a few showers. The top temperature will be around 28 degrees. Winds are light to moderate easterlies, becoming moderate to fresh northerlies later. And the outlook, it will be cooler with a few rain patches in the next couple of days. Right now, it's uh, 27 degrees and uh, the relative humidity is um, 76%. I am the little grape and I'm here to alert citizens to scams. When you shop online, stay alert to scams. When you date online, stay alert to scams. And when you receive calls from unknown numbers, stay alert to scams. I never get tired of reminding. I love reminding my family and people around me to stay alert to scams. Ending deception starts with you. Remind those around you. If you come across any suspected scams, call the police anti-scam helpline at one 822 It's 9.30, the news with Vicky Wong. A grassroots representative has welcomed a new law to cap rent increases at subdivided flats by 10%. It was approved by lawmakers yesterday and takes effect from January. But Silai Shan, a community organiser at the Society for Community Organisation, says rents at subdivided flats are already too high and the government should also have set a limit on the initial rent charged. An infectious diseases expert says authorities should trace the source of a bacterial infection that's killed seven people over the past two months. Dr Joseph Tsung says invasive group B streptococcus is an ordinary and common pathogen found on the skin's surface. But Hong Kong recorded 79 cases over the past two months, compared to between 9 and 26 cases a month over the past three years. Dr Tsung said authorities need to explain the sudden spike in cases. 
And the man accused of carrying out the deadliest attack on a U.S. high school has pleaded guilty to the killings. Nicholas Cruz has been charged with 17 counts of murder and 17 counts of attempted murder. Prosecutors have described the killings in Florida 2018 as cold, calculated and premeditated. They're seeking the death penalty. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Well, here we are again. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Going to have a musical start once again at 10.10. Live folk music in Hong Kong seems to be the thing these days. Well, partly because it involves less gear, but more importantly, because so many people here seem to love it and indeed play it. Under the name What the Folk, there are a lot of gigs going on for the next uh, few weeks this year. Organiser of this mini-festival, Mark Rawson, will join us with all the details and some music from a couple of local bands. After 11, our vet, Dr Dave Gething, will be with us to advise you to be careful what you read. Social media is full of backroom animal advice, including today's topic, which is about a graphic telling us which human, me- human medicines are safe for dogs. Now this made David raise more than half an eyebrow. Do ask him any of your pet questions too. Morningbrew at rthk.hk or hit us on Facebook. 1210. We're going to find out about Hong Kong through Australian eyes. An exhibition at the Fringe, which starts tomorrow and highlights the work of four amazing Aussie photographers who live in Hong Kong. Sound. 